Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't it exciting to receive an invitation? I'm sure all of us have, have received personal invitations uh, to various special events and the, the lives of, of friends and family. When we receive an invitation, we think about the event and where it will be held and who else will be invited and, and attend and if we'll be able to go and where we'll stay if we go and what we'll wear. It's exciting because an invitation to a special event offers us something out of the ordinary rhythm of our daily lives. In our reading today from Isaiah chapter 55, God offers us a very special invitation. And God himself has the excitement of hoping that, that we will accept the invitation. We have the excitement of being moved by the Holy Spirit to accept that invitation. It's a celebration that we don't want to miss. Now, some invitations are, of course, not individually addressed, but they're, they're printed for all of the public to see. In the newspaper, on a, a poster, or a, a flyer, or online. And these invitations are to events that are open to all. Everyone may attend. They're not personally addressed to you individually, but you are included among all who are welcome to attend that event. Well, God speaking through his prophet Isaiah is, in a sense, sending out flyers, putting up billboards, and using primetime advertising to issue his great invitation. In verse 1 of our reading that we just heard, Hey, all of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Even if you have no money, come, buy, and eat. God doesn't have restrictions on who may come regarding proper clothes that you have to wear to the event or, or time or ability. He wants this message, this invitation sent out to everyone. And no one is excluded. There's nothing in us that can stop God from reaching out and inviting us. The invitation depends on God's love alone. As we mentioned at, towards the beginning of our service, how could we possibly buy and eat when we have no money? When we have nothing to offer God in exchange for the gifts that he offers to us. We have nothing to offer, nothing to claim as our own that might be given to God that, that's worth uh, getting anything in return from God. We don't even have our own life to give him because, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. So all of us are sinners. We come as beggars with empty hands, with nothing to offer to God. How can I receive God's gifts when I can't even claim my own life as my own to offer to him? Long before God's Son became man and lived on earth for us, the prophet Isaiah told what Jesus would do for us. As if those events were already accomplished, even though Isaiah was talking about them more than 700 years before Jesus fulfilled the prophecies that prophesied those events. In Isaiah chapter 53, he, he prophesied about Jesus. Surely he took up our weaknesses and he was carrying our sufferings. We thought it was because of God that he was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. 
but it was because of our rebellion that he was pierced. He was crushed for the guilt our sins deserved. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We come before God empty-handed, nothing to give to him, but we receive from him the gift of fellowship freely offered by him. Can I be sure? Can I be sure that the God who offers this invitation of love to everyone would know that I, little old me, am here? Could he really be thinking of me when he offers this gift? Well, one psalm writer, King David, was certain and offers us this assurance in Psalm 139, talking about God. For you created my inner organs. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and my soul knows that very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unfinished body. In your book, all of them were written. Days were determined before any of them existed. Yes, God knows each one of us intimately. In fact, he is the one who formed our tiny little bodies inside our mother's wombs. God offers us his invitation of personal fellowship to us and to all people, in spite of the poverty of our sinful lives, which leaves us without anything to offer him in return. He offers this invitation to each of us personally, individually, based on his intimate knowledge and, and personal love for each one of us, because he is the one who formed and crafted each one of us in a marvelous and miraculous way. So we can be assured that we truly are invited by our loving God and Father. Sometimes after responding to an invitation and after attending a special event, we might return home feeling a bit disappointed, feeling a bit let down. We were looking for something special, but we were not satisfied. The, the event did, did not meet our high expectations. Well, God, through Isaiah, asks in verse 2 of our reading, Why do you spend money on something that is not bread? Why do you waste your labor on something that does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Satisfy your appetite with rich food. These words, God, of course, isn't talking about necessarily the the food that we eat, although that, that might be one aspect of it that doesn't ultimately satisfy. But he's talking about spiritual food. God wants us to understand that there are many places to look for love, to look for a sense of well-being, a sense of fulfillment. But many of the apparent answers to our longing ultimately will not bring satisfaction or not true and lasting satisfaction. Our Creator, our Heavenly Father, is the one for whom we deep down, even if we don't know it, for whom we are truly searching for satisfaction. As we sang in the words of Psalm 42 
uh, just earlier in our worship service. As a doe pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and appear before God? In this life, we are, we are looking for investments, whether that's financial or just investments of our, our time and our energy, that accumulate and bring some kind of reward rather than depreciate and take away and detract. We consider the cost compared with what we have for resources. And so very often we despair of hope for better days. But God is offering his invitation to a fellowship that gives true satisfaction. God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is everyone who takes refuge in him. In Psalm 34, verse 8. God offers to us so much more than just the possessions that we accumulate in this life at great cost. He offers us forgiveness. Forgiveness of all of our sins based on the sacrifice of His Son Jesus for us. We are accepted into His own family. We're adopted as His own dearly loved children. We become brothers and sisters of Jesus through baptism. In the family of God's people, we find strength and security in the love of God that is experienced and shared among fellow believers. The invitation of a loving God says in verse 3 of our reading, Turn your ear to me and come to me. Listen so that you may continue to live. Yes, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The faithful mercies promised to David. This covenant offered to King David and to the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament is also offered to all people today. The voice of God is calling through His Word, calling to each one of us, calling us into a relationship with, of love with Him that will last forever, even beyond the end of this earthly life, that will continue forever with Him in heaven. This is a, a call, a voice that we hear each time someone is baptized in the name of the triune God. The voice that we hear again and again as we receive the body and blood of Jesus in the Lord's Supper for the forgiveness of our sins. This voice, the, the Word of God, goes forth wherever the Gospel is proclaimed. The good news of forgiveness and salvation and, and God's unconditional love through Jesus our Savior. God makes a covenant with us. God himself commits himself to be our God forever. By his grace, he works in our hearts to accept that invitation through faith in Jesus as our Savior. And this gift of God's love in Jesus is not subject to depreciation or, or to losses in investment. It will not become powerless, letting you down just when you need it most. No, as the Apostle Paul wrote in the, the wonderfully comforting verses of Romans chapter 8, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, neither things present nor things to come, nor powerful forces, neither height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. In Jesus our Savior. Jesus himself 
leads the way to sharing the invitation of God with others around us. In verse 4 of our reading, Isaiah says, in, in reference to the coming Savior in the future, Look, I appointed him as a witness for peoples, a leader and commander of peoples. And we see that Jesus did that. When he lived his life on this earth in his public ministry, he was fulfilling the invitation of God among us. People were able to watch him, to, to listen to his teaching, to see his love and compassion in action, as we read about in, in our gospel reading this morning, as he miraculously healed the sick among the crowds who came to him, and then seeing their need for food in that moment, as they had come to, to hear him preach God's word, Jesus also met that earthly need for food, again, showing God's love and mercy in action. But it was ultimately Jesus' final act of his life, giving up his life into death upon the cross, that won the ultimate victory over sin, and that kept people, that gave people eternal life, the life, the unconditional gift of God that God offers through Jesus. This miraculous feeding of the 5,000 that we read about in the gospel was God's special way of declaring the presence of the kingdom of God in the person of his son, Jesus. In his unwillingness to cast the first stone, Jesus witnessed to the presence of the kingdom of God in his loving forgiveness. He said, go and leave your life of sin. I forgive you and let my forgiving love change your life. And we have come to faith through this message of the gospel. We are those who have not seen Jesus face to face. We have not seen him risen from the dead. We have not witnessed all those miracles. And yet, we believe through the testimony of his word. Today, God's invitation, his call to faith and to receive his gifts of love is heard in the witness of those who believe in Jesus as their Savior. You and me. We point people to the Word of God and to the working of God among us and the response of faith made by the lives of, of love and service to others, whatever situations we might find ourselves, whoever God places in our lives that needs our assistance and love and care. And so we join together with the prophet Isaiah in chapter 54 saying, Shout for joy, you heavens, because of what the Lord is doing. Make a joyful shout, you depths of the earth. Burst forth with shouts of joy, you mountains, you forest and every tree in it, because the Lord has redeemed Jacob, and in Israel he will display his beauty. Think about the namesake of our church, St. Andrew. You may remember how Andrew, when he was introduced to Jesus by his initial mentor, John the Baptist, the first thing he did when he saw Jesus and realized that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Savior of the world, he went right away to tell the, the, the closest friend in his life, his own brother Peter, and to bring him to Jesus. We've found the Messiah, the one our people have been waiting for for thousands of years since God's first promise to Adam and Eve, the one that God promised would come and destroy the devil's work and set us free. And in the same way as our church's namesake. God wants us also to reach out to those who are in our own circle of family and friends and, and acquaintances and co-workers and to share this unconditional invitation of God's love 
with them. We look for every opportunity that God places before us to share this invitation of love. And and we ask God to guide us, give us wisdom uh, to speak this invitation in the most appropriate way for that situation. For someone, for example, who is deep in, in grief after suffering the loss of a loved one, that invitation may come in, in our quiet, loving presence, just simply being there for that person and supporting them in that difficult time. With a friend who questions what life is all about, who's feeling despondent or in despair and, and depressed, we're able to share God's love for each one of us individually. The fact that God knows each one of us and our circumstances and the, the thoughts and feelings of our hearts, and that he cares deeply about each one of us. To those nearest us, it, it may be possible to speak the words which draws them from, from dissatisfaction with life to the fulfillment of putting off the sin that weighs us down and taking up the cross to follow Jesus, trusting in his blessing every step of the way. You are the Lord's invitation to those around you. And it doesn't matter what your gifts or abilities might be. Through you, God promises that he will work for his good purpose as you share this good news of his love through Jesus. Through you, the Lord extends his invitation of love to others. So invite them. Invite them into the family of our Heavenly Father so that they will also receive the joy that lasts forever. Amen.